Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. I'm here with my two lovely ladies, the Sharp Edge and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. What's happening, girls? Hello, hello. Hanging in there. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah. Oh, I've made two podcasts in a row, so we're looking up. Nice. That's, Good that's job. Good. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I got a report out this week, and I'm, I'm working on part. I'm, I had to sidestep my whole nine-part series so I could get this really important piece out. And uh, I'm glad I did because it went it went viral quite quickly because stuff's speeding up, and we're going to talk about this and uh, what else we got, speaker. Uh, we've got your report, which you just mentioned, 22 ways to stop the vaccine ID passport. Uh, I'm just going to give an update on Australia and what's going on here, and kind of talk about the digital identity program. I guess that's going on here now. Um, we got updates on Ghislaine Maxwell and Prince Andrew, mainstream media imploding and alt media rising. And at the end, we're just uh, going to talk about remembering Ashley Babbitt and the political prisoners of January 6th. All right. Holy cow. Lots mm. to cover. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I want to know what's going on with the digital identity in Australia before we get into my report, because this all ties together. Yeah. So... Australia is a bit of a mess at the moment, especially, um, I can't uh, see the things that you've got up at the moment, Edge, I kind of put them in a different order for you, but what, um, what you have to do now, so let's, let's break down what this uh, COVID passport, COVID ID, digital ID sort of thing is. So we have uh, a health program here called Medicare. Uh, mm-hmm. It's actually a really good system. It's a public funded universal healthcare system. Um, I think uh, each taxpayer pays about 1.5%, something like that. Don't quote me, but it's close to that, um, of their um, taxable income every year. Uh, And then it goes into a levy and then it gets paid out. So it's actually really handy. Every time I go to the doctor, I don't need to pay shit. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so, so like our healthcare system, when it runs on like Medicare, it's not a bad system. But now, when you log into your Medicare, because you have your Medicare, your health system, all that, now they have mm-hmm. this uh, view history, view immunization history. Yeah. And you, you click on that, it takes you to the next next bit. Keep switching through edge. I can't say where you go, but that's the start of it. So that's the start of the app. That's the app that you download. There is a few other ones that you can use, um, but most people are using Medicare through it. So you see here, proof vaccination. Yeah. Uh, click that, and then it will take you to the scene, the, uh, the graphics that Ed put up prior. Okay. Right? And right. I, I can't see these, so it's a little bit hard to move through them. Um, but if you keep flipping through Edge, and we will get to the actual... Oh, okay, yeah. all right. So then it takes you to this, view your digital certificate. You click that, switch through, it will take you to here. It will have your name, your birthday, your valid. You see that green tick up the top? That means you've been uh, vaccinated twice. Uh And how does that info, so they have that info on the back end. It's not like uh, how some apps are doing it with the QR codes or whatnot. With you guys, they were able to just roll this right into your system that was already in place. Yeah, so they've already rolled it straight into Medicaid. 
there is other apps that can do it, but Medicare was clearly the easiest way you can do it because when everyone went to get vaccinated, you give your Medicare card, um, they'll scan your Medicare card, and then everything just goes on there. So what happens so, if you don't have the check mark? Uh, okay. Here's where we start rolling into what you can and what you cannot do hmm. um, if you do not have this little green tick on your digital certificate. Now, it's hard to break down because all states are different. That's what we're dealing with at the moment. We're dealing with, okay. and I'm I'm really only familiar with what's going on in New South Wales and what's going on in Victoria uh, and, and Tasmania a little bit. Um, I do know WA has still closed the borders, so you still actually can't get into WA at the moment, except for some exemptions. Um, New South Wales and Victoria have screwed the pooch on every which way. We've, they've, they've proved that these lockdowns that we had prior, that went for a year, um, did absolutely nothing. Right. Uh, so sure. this is another app called My Government ID. Hmm. So that's, that's got all your government information on it. Yeah. Um, mm, um, so uh, the cases at the moment um, in Victoria and in New South Wales are at record high. I think New South Wales were at like 31 the other day. Oh, they, they, let's go Sorry, back I'm looking for, yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay, yeah. This is, is this the one you wanted me to show? Um, there's two full ones that I gave you. One says Victoria and one says, there we go. Um, so this is uh, New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was just yesterday. Okay. Okay. So uh, it's completely blown out of proportion. And I think the the number yesterday was 34,000, right? There's That's only just 95% of people received their first dose and 93.3 their second dose. Yep. You think that's realistic? I'm I'm just going off the government websites here, so obviously take it with a grain of salt. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just providing you what, what is at here. Um, okay. So these numbers, of course, are off, but let's say they are correct. Just mm-hmm. for this hypothesis, let's say they are correct and we're still getting 34,000 a day 35,000 a day right people have been double vaccinated are all getting omicron now even worse uh there was a uh, there was a gentleman the other day that died um and he had been double vaxxed he was only he was only like 23 i think he was um so but i thought it prevented you from getting really ill and dying exactly right (laughs) exactly it's done nothing um so all, all the things prior to this happening was um, for what? Right. And, and and we're seeing a lot of people kind of act that way now. They don't I'm care. I'm surprised that was even reported on. You know, they don't they don't really care. Um, it's mm. uh, it's it, it's it's weird to see the some people of course are really um, indoctrinated into it and some people like me are just walking around doing their shit like it's an everyday thing. Right. Like I, just, like I don't care. Of course, I am being a little bit careful at the moment because it is blowing out of proportion what's going on here. Right. So I'm not doing stupid things and just hanging around lots of people. I'm, I generally isolate myself anyway. So, but um, let's go back to where you can go and where you can't go without this vaccine uh, passport, right? So some, for instances, so pubs, taverns, hotels, 
you can't go in unless you double back. Right? Mm-hmm. Nightclubs, any casino or any gambling, uh, any venues that hold more than 500 people. So function halls, sports arenas, anything like that, music festivals, right. um, live performances, fundraisers, any, ed, ed, anything like that you can't do. Now, if you want to travel, uh, depending on where you're going and if you want to catch a plane, you need to be double vaxxed. You need to take a test 72 hours before you leave. You need to register with the state hmm. how long your stay is and how long you're going for. Um, and you got to do that a couple of days prior and you will have to test before you leave and then you have to test before you come back. You will have to also, yeah, show your digital ID before you travel or before you get on a plane. So, so right now you can still go into a grocery store without having that check mark, right? Uh, for now, yeah. But for now you can still do your shopping at your local calls and all that. But that's where they're, that's what they're gunning for next. So, because mm. all the countries are rolling out, you know, they're in lockstep. They're all rolling out very similar industries and businesses and travel that they're starting with. And they're going to just keep pushing it and pushing it and squeezing it until they get down to all retail and shopping, you know, all shopping entirely. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I mean, what, we heard Macron just recently say <clears throat> that the people who are unvaccinated are going to be considered non-citizens. And mm. that this is basically like a war that we're just going to fight and ki- until the bitter end. And uh, he wow. wants to piss off the huh. unvaccinated. It's it's very aggressive, the language that's yeah. being used. And, um, you know, I just want to know how how have these um, measures worked out for them? Because you just yeah. look at the cases here. I mean, if their point was to flatten the curve, I think they're going along the wrong axis. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just a little. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Wow. Uh, yeah. It's a, so Australia's a bit of a mess. I mean, they've turned away from lockdowns because you can't, well, like, what's the point of having a lockdown now? They've already screwed the pooch on it. Anyway. Um, but. There are also talks about them also bringing restrictions back to Victoria. So I'm interested to see how that's going to go down. Um, I don't think well. See, I I don't know much about the Northern Territory. I know you keep sending me these ones, Edge, but it's just uh, we're dealing with our own state issues. So I don't really know what's going on in Northern Territory at the moment. But that did look interesting when you sent it to me. Yeah, Michael Gunner is like... um... Dan Andrews twin, evil twin. So um, this just came out. Australia's Northern Territory has imposed China-like lockdowns on unvaccinated citizens. I can play this for you guys if you want to listen. Hold on one second. I will now go through each of these decisions. First, the lockout. The fully vaccinated can continue as they were. For people who are not vaccinated, Lockdown rules will apply to everyone 16 and above. If you are not fully vaxxed, stay home. You are at greater risk of catching COVID, becoming ill and needing hospital care. You may only leave home for three reasons. Medical treatment, including COVID testing or vaccination. For essential goods and services like groceries, power tokens, medications. 
to provide care and support to a family member or person who cannot support themselves. You cannot travel more than 30 kilometres from your home when leaving for one of the three reasons or the nearest practical destination. If you need to go to the hospital and it's more than 30 kilometres from your home, that's okay. The only three reasons, there, sorry, there are only three reasons to leave the home now, not five. Work is not a reason to leave the home for the unvaccinated. The Chief Health Officer has also determined that restriction of movement is critical right now and that one hour of exercise for the next four days is not essential. Remember, these restrictions only apply to those who are not fully vaccinated. Wow. Wow. Exercise and work are not necessary, folks. Just stay home. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. God. You know, so in, did you have more to add, speaker? Or? Uh, no, I just wanted to cover that bit. Obviously, there's a lot more I can go into, but I, we can save that for another time on different aspects of how this is destroying the state at the moment. While at the same time, on the other hand, they're saying our economy is doing better than it ever has before. Uh-huh. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to actually be on the ground and see what I'm saying, you know, um, and right. then hear what they're saying. So That's like yeah. Biden saying that mm. the, the economy is better than it's ever been before when we just had mm. a, a jobs report of like, I think, four, over four million people, four and a half million, I think it was, leaving the jobs in November. Um, quitting their jobs in November due to these mandates. So, um, yeah, yeah it, it's complete um, disassociation from reality. Um, the talking points that these figureheads, these puppets uh, keep announcing. Right. And they scare people and make everybody feel backed into a corner. And if people would just stop complying, so check this out. So in Italy, uh, Peter Sweden just announced um, yesterday or last night. Uh, gosh, I don't even know. Um, I think it was last night. He said, just in, Italy will require mandatory vaccination for those over 50. People will also need a COVID passport to be allowed to go to shops, banks, post offices, etc. Yeah. So that's going down in Italy. And then what I included in my report was in the UK. So this is already, you know, this has been rolling out in Europe for a while. It's rolling out in most provinces in Canada, um, in the UK, they're working on legislation. They've already beta tested. And, and I think they're formalizing the legislation in April, but two different things happening. So they've got the NHS COVID pass deal going on. And then, you know, which is very similar to um, what speaker just went over with Australia. But then we have this right to work, right to rent, <laughs> digital identity that incorporates the way they roll this out in the language, and I have links to it in in my report, is uh, the character attributes, you know, the different attributes that can link into this. And they include, they mention the NHS app. This is for their whole digital identity plan. And they include your bank account which is what we've been warning people where this is all heading and why they're doing this. I mean, this whole whole pandemic was planned to get these digital identities in place and control us on all access and all spending. 
and so we we have to stop it i mean obviously the the easiest one to do that takes little to no effort is to not comply um if you have enough people doing that we've seen it time and time again where companies have reversed their stance or like the over in uh, los angeles which i think is the second largest school district there were there was a case where they were uh fighting against the covid mandates there the the jab i believe it was the jab and there were like thirty thousand students i think that were gosh am i remembering this correctly it, it, it was the jab wasn't it that were refusing to do it and so they had to back off because what are they going to do close close down the whole district right and 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 we've seen this time and time again um at some point i'm going to have to gather all of the non-compliance headlines and uh, show people how th this does in fact work. We just need, you know, a large enough percentage to make that happen. And, and I don't think that that percentage has to be huge. Um, so, so one of the things I wanted to do in my report was show something that I think people can relate to, because I feel like there are some people that are still not getting this, that still don't understand where this is heading. I mean, especially obviously those that are getting the jab, but there are, there are still <clears throat> some folks that are getting the jab, right? They're nervous. Maybe they, they live with an older person and they're really concerned about getting them sick and they're doing that, but they can still see that there's definite uh, lies and manipulation and stuff going on. And so I think this is something that, that they could relate to. So they've already tested this system, right? I, I woke up one day and, and I was like, Cujo, the movie Cujo. I guarantee this is the fear that the movie they use to instill fear in people <clears throat> that their dogs are gonna be rabid and kill them or bite their kids and they're all gonna die. And so you have to go get your rabies vaccine. Well, I didn't, I didn't put, I have a bunch of research on this and I didn't put all this into the report, but I did put some very key statistics in there. Um, but what I didn't put in there was the funders and the big pharma and the billionaires and the bullshit that's all behind that. Um, that is the same, same groups of people that are running this COVID agenda. And so what we have is, is, is rabies a real thing? Yes. <laughs> Is it dangerous? Yes. But here's what they did. They put in place laws stating that uh, your dog has to get vaccinated, you know, and it used to be every year, then it went to two years, and then they finally developed a three-year one. And we already know, there's already studies out, I have it linked in my report, that they can last up to five to six years. And, and some will argue that, you know, one shot is enough for a lifetime, but there are actual scientific studies that say up to six years. And so we know it's, it's been this big scam. And so tell me how familiar this system sounds. You have your dog, it has to be registered, it has to be vaccinated with the rabies. It's a law in every state. And if you uh, don't get um, the rabies vaccine, then, and you try to get your dog into a vet, they'll say, where are the vaccine papers? No, you know, we won't treat them without 
the rabies vaccines, or we're going to have to give that to them right now because you're past due, or you can't take them into a pet groomers. They won't see them without the papers. They have to wear the ID tag on their collar. You can't go into a dog park, you know, like the ones that like state dog parks that you have to pay to get in. You have to show proof of the rabies. It's the same system that's been used for decades that they are now rolling out on human beings. And you can get fined, the dog could get quarantined and all this jazz. Well, most people are gonna say, well, there's, um, you know, it's dangerous. The, the bites are dangerous and, and people get bitten all the time. So I just, I just wanna roll out a few statistics here straight from the CDC. So we know these are probably exaggerated too, but so in the US it's raccoons, bats, skunks, foxes, right? The wildlife that get um, reports that come in of rabies, that they've contracted rabies is 5,000 annual cases. Of that, only 60 to 70 dogs a year in the entire country contract rabies. And of those that contract it, less than one dog bite in a human. So every other year, a dog with rabies bites one person. That is it. In 58 years, between 1960 and 2018, there's only been 127 cases of humans contracting rabies. That's it. And that, and 70% of them came from bat bites. So, so that's not even an argument. And I'm not suggesting that no one should go get the rabies shot. My point is the system's been in place. They're rolling this same system out on us using fear tactics. And these, in 1983 is when Cujo was released, just a few years after they started doing the dog vaccines and then they started pushing it through and making it law. And, and it's the laws that aren't right with this. It's the exaggerations. It's the, and, and in 2008, there was a study done that over um, half of puppies and kittens in the US were not being vaccinated at all. And since then there's been, anyone can look this up, there's been massive trends of a decline. And in fact, they're all calling everyone who doesn't get a third, fourth or fifth rabies shot for their dog. They're calling them, uh, you know, anti-vaxxers, of course. Uh, <laughs> even though the science is there, but of course they're not gonna pay attention to the science, kind of like they're not gonna pay attention to all the treatments that work for COVID. Same playbook. Yeah. So and I love how you point out that you're like, we're, we're trusting these people after Fauci injected these puppies, you know, and did experiment, all kinds of horrific experiments on dogs. We're trusting these people. Right. Right. Severing their vocal cords and, and so they couldn't hear their pain and then sad. killing them and dissecting them. And, and the thing about that is, it wasn't even required. Like for the stu scientific study they were doing, they didn't need to run that study on dogs and they certainly didn't need to do it in the manner that they did. It's, it's disgusting. These people, we are livestock to them. In fact, they're doing the same thing with livestock with the RFID tags. The whole game is to have everyone and everything in databases. It's a massive data aggregation collection for the digital IDs so they can track and trace and control every single resource, including us on this planet. So 
it is incredibly important. And you can see if you scroll down to that diagram edge, that's an exact, I, I recreated it because of World Economic Forum's ridiculous copyright laws. God forbid we share their information. So this is verbatim though, word for word, their chart on digital identities and what their plan is, which is the smart cities and you know the financial system, healthcare, food, travel and mobility, e-commerce, social platforms, government, telecommunications, all of it. They want control of all of it. And this is their plan for us and their little contracts, they call them, smart contracts with us, even though we had no say in this. So, I mean, we have no say in this if we just, if we, enough of us just don't comply. If too many people comply, it's freaking game over. And this is like the number one battle. This the jabs and the jab passports, that's it. That Because everything else, nothing else matters. matters. If these go through, the rest of it's irrelevant. This is actually a good diagram for us to use, meaning these are all of the areas in which we have to build new systems right. outside of theirs. Exactly. Minus the smart cities. <laughs> Minus the smart cities. You could just exchange that for like local communities, rebuilding Cash. local communities. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so just to show you an example, scroll down a little. <clears throat> so this is a chart I found. Uh, this is out of the state of Illinois. And we covered this in a past past podcast a while back, because I actually use this in the digital identity series that I had done, which really breaks all this down in detail. Uh, the point of this was to show people like a, kind of a really good analogy metaphor that they could relate to and then give them ways to combat this. So, but <clears throat> this one, this one's great because this is an example of a future food program whereby you deal with the government entitlement office with your digital identity and verification and you use, um, sorry, that's my cat in the background. <laughs> and you use, um, when you go to the grocery store to buy food in your benefit wallet, it passes through the smart contracts they've set up with the grocery stores for your healthy food purchase. And lo and behold, if you want a cheeseburger, forget about it because that's not going to go through. You're not going to be able to buy that. I mean, this is like dead end. <laughs> dead end. Dead end. Start over. Go directly to jail. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, I mean, this is like a really simplistic example of how their minds are working, how they're designing all of this. And and if if, if you think it ends with a cheeseburger... Oh my goodness. It's heading right for your right for your bank account. So there's a great uh, 20 minute video in here from my, uh, Dr. Michael Yeadon, former chief scientist at Pfizer. Excellent, excellent. I recommend everyone listening to that. And so, so here's my three questions I laid out <clears throat> that people need to ask themselves. Why do any businesses need proof of the so-called vaccine from a person who may or may not have received it when the CDC director has repeatedly stated that the COVID jab doesn't stop transmission. 
So what do these Axie ID passports do? Other than control your access and spending. I mean, it, it's, it's simple logic. Simple and, logic. And we don't have to play the little clip, but there's a clip just for proof that she's saying this. Um, the second one, why are we being told that this is a deadly virus that only a vaccine can save you from when the COVID-19 cases and deaths increased in 2021 after 62% of people in the U.S. received the jab? And I mean, it's the same pattern in every country. <clears throat> Third one, why are we being told that Omicron is a scary, much worse variant than COVID itself when it only differs by 0.3%, meaning it's not a true variant at all? And it's nearly identical to COVID if we believe in everything they've told us about COVID, that is, but with much less symptoms. So what's happening is, and this is a really important point, as I started digging into this, and I've already started gathering material on a future piece for this. So what I'm seeing is mayors, <laughs> mayors across the country are starting to take the reins and they're, they're all working in lockstep. And I, I suspect that this really kicked into high gear after the battle against OSHA was starting to be lost in many states. So they are taking the reins and they are ordering restaurants, gyms, and entertainment venues that they have to uh, get proof of jab from their patrons or they can't enter their establishments or negative test in a lot of cases or they you know and eventually the negative test thing will go to the wayside either because they got to do this in incremental steps so everyone needs to be paying very close attention to what your mayors are up to because they're the next ones that that are already kicking into full gear here and i realize there are some mayors in some states that have been complete assets this for the last two years and beyond but my concern is um look into what new authority and rules and laws that they're trying to um put in place where they can take covid and try and and interweave that in to give them more authority and power. I mean, they're literally telling businesses to discriminate against their patrons. It's, it's a crazy freaking world. I don't know that it's legal, doesn't feel legal to me, but I know every city's different. I don't have time to dig through every city's, you know, charters and rules and, and laws there. Um, I know in some states you have where they, they're trying to tell an entire county. And so some of the mayors in cities within the county are saying, hell no, we're not going along with this. Then you've got some outside the counties that are going, hey, we're going to jump on that bandwagon and we're going to mandate this too. And this stuff is not showing up in the news. So people need to pay attention on a local level to what's going on. Um, mayors sheriffs that sort of thing well so technically the sheriffs override the mayors they don't have to enforce this so if any of the mayors are saying there's going to be a fine we're going to shut you down sheriffs can step up and so everyone needs to that's one of the things in my 22 ways to stop the passports is everyone needs to get their sheriffs on board here however that said Someone pointed out to me in Gab what's going on over in Washington state right now. And people need to pay attention to that because they have a, it's like the public uh, 
gosh, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but it's like the public health department out there, Washington state, they're having a, a Zoom meeting. I don't know if it's that you can listen in or that you can call in and you can actually you know, make a statement, um, but it is open to the public. So I imagine you could, and what, and I haven't had time to review the minutes and all the um, law codes that they have there, but it seems like they're trying to uh, sneak some shit in that's going to allow health officials, <laughs> health officials to oversee all law enforcement by saying we need you to enforce this and they have to listen and i go well wait a minute wait a minute so they're saying a health official or a health officer is going to reign over the sheriff i don't i don't think that's legal either and i realize we're living in in somewhat of a lawless world right now but um but there are still tons of lawsuits taking place out there and there are a lot of wins happening because not all judges are corrupt. So anyone in Washington state, uh, I, I shared it on Gab, go look at that, find out what the heck's going on out there. Okay, Interesting. moving on. I won't go through all these, but there's 22 different ways. Obviously don't comply don't do the digital IDs, don't do the QR codes. Um, I have a lot of links to sources in here. Get your sheriffs on board, um, have them contact Chris Ann Hall. She's fantastic. She's been working with sheriffs, um, a lot of different sheriffs and in conferences and one-on-one. -on -one. So uh, please read these, please uh, share this with everyone you know. There's a bunch of different suggestions, uh, many of which we've already seen uh, work and, and, you know, put a hard halt to things. Yeah. So that's pretty much that. <laughs> yeah. Great information here. And a lot of these things that we've talked about, uh, to some degree in previous, uh, podcasts, um, but so important, um, the non-compliance, but also, um, speaking out, uh, giving uh, others courage to speak out uh, because that is contagious um, and building in communities. I mean, you're thinking, you're thinking globally, but acting locally and building these networks in your own community to resist these things um, at the town or city level. Right. So, right. Yeah. And they have like in point eight, um, bring the attention to your legislators, it bring, you know, the, the, there are legislators fighting for this. I showed this in part one of my digital ID series. There's, there are some that are blocking the jab mandates. They're blocking the, the proof of the jab um, from being mandated. It's important to stay on top of them. It's, it's kind of like our, one of our big lines of defense is, you know, uh, that would be nice because it would take a huge load off of a lot of people that, you know, are, are not complying to begin with, but now they've got a little bit of backup there. There's a model bill in there, a link um, to that that you can copy and paste and send to your state representatives. Uh, obviously, boycotting, cash is king. Uh, stop the federal vaccine database bill. 550 that's an important one uh yeah so so the way i see it 
is there's really two strategies here that we need to work simultaneously. On the one end, we need to slow the decay. We need to Mm -hmm. slow the process of their plan by non-compliance and by working together and networking to build this movement of non-compliance. But on the other hand, the other strategy that we need to do simultaneously is building new systems outside of theirs so that we can continue to live, work, uh, go to school, and function um, while they're trying to impose tyranny. So I think like both of these strategies are equally necessary and vital and we need to tackle them both simultaneously. Well said. Absolutely. All right. Anything else you wanted to add before we move on to the next thing? I think that's it. That about covers it. <laughs> so check out Corey's latest report. It's a great resource to share with other people and uh, help them join the clause. So, all right. So um, I was going to give some updates on Ghislaine Maxwell and Prince Andrew. So um, here's where we're at. Um, after the conviction uh, for, Ma- for Maxwell, the jurors were permitted to give interviews to the press. And one of those jurors in a statement or in some several statements to the press has set off a series of events into motion. <laughs> And this juror, I believe is Scotty David, uh, told the press that he'd been sexually abused as a child. And he explained that during the jury deliberations, his personal story of sexual abuse has actually helped sway the jurors who were questioning the memories of the victims who testified. So he said, that after some of the jurors questioned the accuracy of the two women's memories, he decided to share his own experience of being sexually abused as a child. And he said that he'd remembered most important elements of what had happened to him, but not every single detail. That swayed the jurors, he said. When I shared that, they were able to sort of come around on, they were able to come around on the memory aspect of sexual abuse, Scotty David said. Uh, in a couple of interviews, one for Reuters and then for the Independent. So, mm-hmm. and we talked about last week how Maxwell's team is looking for any way to dismiss or appeal this uh, conviction. And, um, you know, when they found out about these juror interviews, of course, now they're using this as grounds for a new trial. So not surprised. No, not at all. I mean, I don't want to dog on a dude I don't know who I've never researched. But when you have a blanket question like this right here that he had to answer prior to all of this beginning, and he answered no, I assume, then this was their fallback plan. Right. So in the jury selection process, jurors have to fill out a questionnaire. This is part of the questionnaire 
This question asks, have you or a friend or family member ever been a victim of sexual harassment, sexual abuse, or sexual assault? This includes actual or attempted sexual assault or other unwanted sexual advance, including by a stranger, acquaintance, supervisor, teacher, or family member. And the juror was asked to answer yes or no. And so... Uh, this was part of the questionnaire for determining. So he just magically forgot and answered no. Right. And then and- comes out with an interview saying that mm-hmm. he swayed the jury. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so the when this was raised, uh, the government said that they were aware of this. And when they asked this juror, he asserted that he just flew through the prospective juror questionnaire and does not recall being asked whether he had been a victim of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> this is their, um, their, I guess, their hook here to try to move for a new trial. And um, this isn't based on, you know, whether someone's sexually abused, it's based on whether or not he lied or failed to um, disclose information that prejudiced the right uh, to a fair trial and impartial uh, jury. So um, this is what Maxwell's defense has presented. They said that this presents incontrovertible grounds for a new trial under Rule 33. So we can drag the theater out longer. Yes. So we are officially dragging the theater out longer. Judge Nathan has actually scheduled a briefing for the defense to move for a new trial. This does not mean there is going to be a new trial. This is not even an official inquiry into whether or not there should be a new trial. This is simply the pretext or the precursor to that. This is a process of determining if there should be a formal inquiry into a motion for a new trial. And there's going to be briefings, uh, the defense on January 19th, the government on February 2nd, and then the defense replies on by February 9th. So again, this is going to drag on as we predicted. This is Maxwell's Uh, strategy here. I think that she knows that going to jail is a death sentence for her, whether she ends up like Epstein or she serves her time. It's a death sentence for her and naming names or, uh, you know, trying to, in order to try to get a smaller sentence, that's not, you know, probably her first option (laughs) since she knows what happened to Epstein. So um, they're going to try every way possible to try to Drag right. this out, uh, move for a new trial or appeal in various different ways. So uh, here we are with that. And we'll continue to keep you guys posted as new information arises. But I guess the next date to look out for would be January 19th. All right. Good. Yeah. And then so Prince Andrew had his thing this week. Um, there were oral arguments uh, on January 4th. Um, for the motion to dismiss the case between Virginia Roberts and, and uh, Virginia Roberts, Jeffrey and Prince Andrew. And they had released an unsealed 
a uh, settlement agreement. It was a 2008, I believe, or no, 2009 uh, settlement agreement between Virginia and Jeffrey Epstein. That was unsealed this week. And Mm. what it disclosed is that she got $500,000. And then there was this very vague verbiage used in this settlement agreement that releases from liability other potential defendants. That's the the language, other potential defendants. And Prince Andrew, it does not mention Prince Andrew specifically in this settlement agreement, but this was basically the key piece of evidence that Prince Andrew was trying to use this week during those oral arguments to convince the judge that we need to just dismiss this case because I've been released from from everything because I'm another potential defendant. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a long list of other potential defendants too. Yeah, well, the judge doesn't seem to have been buying it. The language that was used, the conversation that went on during this um hearing, these oral arguments, it really looks like the the judge seemed unconvinced by this then legal loophole. And the judge has said that he will make a decision soon. We don't have that yet um, as to whether this case proceeds, but it's looking like it will. Hmm. That's a hilarious top right there in that ad. (laughs) (laughs) For anyone not watching. the commercials Uh, (laughs) and the ads they put. Uh, It's pretty funny. (laughs) All right. So that's where we are with all of the Epstein related stuff lovely yep on to some um more fun news um Mm -hmm. i thought we should just chat about this for a little bit and um you know it it just have a, a conversation about how the media the really the state run propaganda machine is imploding and tanking and we're seeing this huge massive rise in alternative media and i wanted to highlight Joe Rogan in particular as we talk about that because I mean he's getting 11 million views per show on average compared to say CNN the pedo scandal network um, Mm -hmm. getting 800,000 views per show so um, and then I also kind of wanted to talk about uh, his latest shows um the Rogan uh, on on Joe Rogan were you know Peter McCullough and uh, Dr. Robert Malone. I mean those statistics even way blew out his average. Um, first of all, Joe Rogan is the number one podcast on spot on Spotify. He's got a massive audience, but this uh, McCullough interview that he did um, this was I think this, as of December twenty sixth has 40 million downloads his Mm -hmm. biggest ever wow and growing and i haven't had a a chance to watch that one or the dr malone one yet um i actually have never really watched rogan's shows um but i do have those two bookmarked because they did look significant yeah, and I haven't seen the stats yet on the interview that Dr. Malone gave for Joe Rogan. It may even surpass McCullough's. Uh, I just wanted to highlight this because it's, it seems as though the word is getting out. And how do we know this? Well, because um, the 
interview that um, Dr. Malone gave, um, he talked about mass formation psychosis and then mass formation psychosis started trending like crazy on Twitter and searches <laughs> for it on Google as well. So much so that they had to, in real time, um, manipulate those. Um, <laughs> but it's too late uh, because right. uh, it's really reached the masses. And um, look, so here's just a, a clip. I don't even know when this was taken. This was probably before Twitter started manipulating the the trending words but mass formation psychosis has been trending quite a bit and you know people were monitoring the how google was changing the search results in real time after malone's interview yeah and well, just well, last well week. youtube's removed it completely mm -hmm. and uh, twitter's removed it completely so. yeah Last week, we were just bringing up the, uh, was it last week or the week before, we brought up the mass psychosis uh, video that after school had done that was exceptionally done well. So, so when I saw the mass formation psychosis, I thought, huh, that's interesting. We were just talking about that. Yeah. And I've seen uh, people randomly talking about this and it, so it's seeped into the psyche it's become, you know, uh, of the of the population of the general population, they've become aware, just on a much deeper level of the psychological warfare that we're under. And I think this right. is a great, great thing. I mean, um, the hypnosis that at least, you know, 30% of the population is under, and how and what we should be doing as a society to break free from it, it appears that we're making some major gains in breaking the narrative and winning the psychological warfare, um, regardless of how much they're trying to manipulate <clears throat> the, uh, you know, search results and the, uh, you know, uh, trending topics and so forth. Uh, it, it's just no comparison. People are, are hungry for the truth and they're going to alternative media sources to find it in yeah. vast numbers as compared to the legacy media, the, uh, you know, basically the state run propaganda machine. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We're definitely, I think we're definitely making headway. I would love to be able to get my hands on real data of people who got their first two jabs, but decided not to get boosters any, any longer. I would love that data. Yeah. I think it's high. I do think it's high. Um, Cause I knew, uh, you know, everyone in my circle wants nothing to do with it. Um, but they have relatives who do. And some of those relatives are now saying, no, 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 not doing any more of that. So, yeah, I, I think that I, I definitely think that we're see, making some major headway mm -hmm. as far as an awakening happening. Mm -hmm. And um, the alt media is playing a major, major role in that because right. uh, it's just come to a, a critical mass point where people know they can't trust what um, these so-called experts and uh, media figureheads have been telling us all this time. Hey, did I mention my example last 
last week. I think I put it on Gab, but I don't know if I talked about it in the podcast. My example of the YouTube thumbs down with my brother. Oh, yeah. I read that. I, re- I remember reading that. I don't, re- did, I don't remember I, if I... Did I mention it? I remember it you podcast? talking about it. No. Because I think it's a fantastic example of a very small seed planted, <laughs> albeit important, though. You know, and I'll just tell it real quick. I was, I was sitting on, you know, I was sitting there with my dad over the holidays and my brother, who's always on his phone comes in and he, he says, I got a potential article for you, for your, for your blog. And I'm like, really? Cause he pays no attention to that stuff. <laughs> I'm like, this should be good. And he says, yeah. So I was in YouTube and you know, I gauge. And as soon as he said gauge, I said, dude, that's like last month's news. Uh, it's that they stopped the thumbs down from showing the counts and he, his jaw just drops and he looks, he's like, what, what, why? I said, because they got to control the narrative, the whole narrative with COVID and the Biden administration, the health officials and Fauci, all of it has gotten. So they've gotten lambasted and they're losing control of the narrative. So they had to remove the thumbs down because they were getting so ratioed. He's like, what? He was so pissed. (laughs) And I said, yeah, it's not just that. I won't even say what he said because, you know, he was cussing and all. But he, I said, yeah, I said, you know, I've been stuck on in the 42,000 range between 42 and 43 for well over a year. Every time I go up over 43, boom, they bounce me down to a 42 even. I go, it's a joke. And he looks at me, he's like, you have 42,000 followers? <laughs> like, that's the only thing he heard in all that. <laughs> I go, I go, yeah, but they're not even, they don't email people notifications that, you know, are subscribed to your channel. I, I'm like, dude, they've been doing this for a long time. I've been trying to tell you all tech has been doing this, censoring the heck out of it. I said, now, now, you, now it's finally entered your world. You know, he's finally going to get a taste of it. And it really pissed him off because he used that tool, of course, as, you know, as a gauge, when he was, uh, he pulls up a lot of videos and stuff for, cause he does a lot of repair work and whatnot, but it really pissed him off. And it was just kind of funny to see that expression on his face. It's like, wow, finally something that broke through that he can relate to. <laughs> cause he doesn't pay attention to this other stuff. It's not that he doesn't believe me. He just doesn't want to know. And um, so that's like little things like that, you know, with big tech doing these censorships, it we're forcing their hands ultimately it were forcing their hands to have to do these censorships because they're losing the narrative and when that happens people are waking up going what the hell's going on you know and so so we're gaining percentages from that angle as well Absolutely, we are. People are starting to realize it, even people that don't pay attention. Uh, the point was that you should have way more than 42,000 <laughs> subscribers at this point. <laughs> oh, but it is what it is. We will keep fighting the fight. And, you know, it's not just about um, conversations that we're having like this on um, uh, platforms, on, you know, social media but conversations that we're having in real life with real people and um, having those conversations um, to give them courage to then go on and speak to their friends, their family, their coworkers. And it just, it gets contagious and raises that awareness to another level. So we just need to continue to speak out and uh, provide that voice of dissent and non-compliance so we're giving courage to others to do the same 
Yeah. And snap people out of the spell. Just, just say, you know, wow. So, so are you going to get the next booster? So what are you going to do if they say every other month you have to get a booster? Are you going to do it? Like, don't condemn them for it. Don't get argumentative. Don't try to give them information. Just keep asking them questions that forces them to think. And well, what are you going to do? Like with the digital ID, if all of a sudden, you know, they tap into your bank account or they tell you, you can't go somewhere. And, and yet for the rest of your life, they want you to get a shot like every month or a few a year, you know, and just get them thinking, because I feel like there's so many people that are under this spell, just walking around and doing as told that they're not even freaking thinking. Or people are just afraid to talk because they don't know where the other person that they're conversing with, where their head is at. So they're afraid to start that conversation. So I usually offer up like personal information about myself to like lower that person's guard down. So they feel free to talk, you know? Right. So just for New Year's, I went out with my neighbors and I didn't really know where they stood on this whole, you know, COVID jab thing, but we were right. talking, we weren't even talking about that. We were just talking about sporting events. And I said, yeah, we used to go to a lot of games. It's been a long time and I probably won't be able to go to one, you know, in the future now, because, you know, my family, we choose to not, take the jab and so that lowered the person I I was talking with lowered her um her walls down a little bit and she was like oh yeah well maybe maybe in sometime in the future you know they'll change all of that and then she offered up her information she said you know look um I had to do it because of my job she's in the medical field and she said, but I'm never doing it again. Like, I don't care about boosters, never doing that again. So yeah, anecdotally, I think that the people, even some people who have gotten, you know, one mm. or two um, yep. are, are having a change of heart and a change of mind because they see where this is going now. Yep. You, you'll yep. be surprised how many people are like that, actually. They're just afraid to speak out. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. But it, but it's all there. It's like in their minds and and you know, they, some people aren't thinking about it. Some are, and, and some need to talk to people who know what the hell's going on, but they're too afraid to bring it up. So yeah, people need to keep talking to other folks and get, get all the information out that you can. And just don't be argumentative and debative, you know, (laughs) we got to move beyond that. Yeah, absolutely. Because everybody's trying to point at the other, oh, those unvaccinated people are so unclean, you know, that kind of a thing. And if we're having conversations with people, whether you're jabbed or unjabbed, but just, you know, having those conversations um, without pointing fingers, then we're like finding common ground and realizing, hey, you know, we're not the other, you know, they're trying to put us against each other in order to create this sort of um, exclusion of the unjabbed so that the, you know, the political elites that are in power can justify, you know, making us second-class citizens. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, l- the last thing that we just wanted to touch on briefly is just to honor, uh, because of January 6th, of course, the news narrative is just nonstop about that right now. We didn't want to make this show all about that. Um, just simply wanted to remember Ashley Babbitt and the political uh, prisoners still um, from January 6th. And maybe we should just close out with this um, video clip of Ashley Babbitt's mom talking on the anniversary of January 6th. All right. She served this country her whole adult life. 
she um, loved God, loved America, loved her family, and came to um, D.C. to hear Donald Trump speak about, you know, a stolen election. And she felt like that was her last time to hear him speak. Little did we know that'd be her last time to hear anybody speak after she was murdered by a careless, reckless Capitol Police officer, Michael Byrd, who should have been fired two years ago for leaving his loaded weapon in a public restroom. I feel like the Capitol Police need to change the way they do things. They operate with impunity, which I did not know until my daughter was publicly executed. I think that most of America does not know that the Capitol Police Department works under it with impunity. They're not subject to FOIA. They're not subject to transparency. They are another arm of uh, Congress, and they don't answer to an external review like every other police department in this country. My daughter was an amazing energetic, independent, powerful woman. <laughs> and I miss her every day. And I'm here because Americans do have the right to protest. It's your right as an American citizen to protest. I would also like to say to Nancy Pelosi, this is not your public, this is not your playhouse and is not your private domain. The, the surveillance cameras were put up to capture what happened that day. The American people have a right to see the 14,000 hours of footage. It's not her personal footage. It, this is Amer this is Mar You're not the queen, Nancy Pelosi. This is America's 14,000 hours of missing footage. We have a right to see it. That was the purpose of the cameras. We have political prisoners in jail in America, not in some third world country. We have political prisoners to this day in solitary confinement being denied the due process that they fought most of them veterans fought for their right to be in this country to, to exercise their first amendment and the right to protest and they are being denied the rights that they fought for for this country as they sit in the washington dc jail being denied due process being denied adequate legal representation being denied adequate nutrition um Thank you. Medical services, uh, access to their lawyers, access to their families. And, and, and this is America. This is happening in America. Thanks for joining us today on Dig It with the speaker, myself, The Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey Stiggs. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and YouTube. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Thank you.